0: The third day of the year may or may not have a special topic or issue associated with this particular 24-hour period. One way to begin each edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement is to look up these bits of trivia as a way to lull the reader or listener into the narrative constructed for each edition. And this is the one for January 3rd, 2024, and I'm the Sean Tubbs that corresponds with this day. On today's program, there's new leadership on the Albemarle Board of Supervisors with Jim Andrews as chair and Diantha McKeel as vice chair. City Councilor Natalie Oshman introduces herself and she and the rest of council get assignments to boards and commissions. City Manager Sam Sanders gives a quick preview of some of the work coming up this year and get ready for Albemarle's next budget with direction from supervisors on tax relief and staffing for fire and rescue services. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, the staff at Community Bikes have returned to work for another year devoted to getting more people on bikes, kids and adults. That's part of their non-profit mission to promote environmentally sound transportation by recycling bicycles. Here's some of what was accomplished in 2023. 1,404 free bikes were distributed. 1,780 bikes were donated and saved from landfills, 288 refurbished bikes were sold, 175 repairs were made at free bike clinics, six teenagers participated in the job training program, there were nine weeks of a summer bike club, and volunteers spent 1,572 hours devoted to implementing the mission of Community Bikes. To learn more, visit the Community Bikes Facebook page for recent campaigns or their website at CharlottesvilleCommunityBikes.org to sign up for email updates. Another year, another member of the Albemarle County Board of Supervisors to serve as the body's chair. At their meeting earlier today, the six-member body unanimously selected Supervisor Jim Andrews of the Samuel Miller District to serve as the chair. Andrews is in the third year of his first four-year term. He was nominated by Supervisor Ann Malick of the Whitehall District and expressed gratitude at getting the nod.
1: I'm looking forward to the hard work ahead. Uh, a lot to bring, bring together uh,
0: over the course of the year. Jack Jewett District Supervisor Diantha McKeel was selected as the vice chair.
2: And I want to thank the folks at the Dias for their support, and I look forward to the year. We have lots on our
1: calendar and our plate for this year.
0: This was the first meeting for Supervisor Michael Pruitt of the Scottsville District.
1: I do want to just take a moment to um, thank and express uh, my gratitude for the, the show of trust uh, from the Scottsville Magisterial District for choosing to uh, vote me in, into this role. I'm very excited to be stepping into this role, uh, quite admittedly nervous, but um, I think that just means my heart's in the right place.
0: After the discussion, County Attorney Steven Rosenberg called for a second vote on Andrew's nomination to ensure that there was a motion that actually elect him as the chair. This vote was also unanimous. And I think that's a positive sign that no one changed their mind. There were little to no debates or candidate forums for Charlottesville City Council last fall, as there were three candidates on the ballot for City Council for three seats. Newcomer Natalie Oshrin received the most votes with 8,937 ballots cast, with incumbent Michael Payne getting 8,666 votes and incumbent Lloyd Snook receiving 8,548 votes. At the very beginning of Council's first regular meeting of 2024, Councillor Oshran was asked to make a few remarks.
1: I ran with a vision for a Charlottesville that is more accessible, both in being able to find housing and to make it more possible to get around safely and easily, especially if you don't have or don't want a car. I want to congratulate and thank everyone who worked so hard over so many years to achieve the zoning rewrite. That's a huge step in the right direction, and now we can continue to build on that policy to make sure our affordability, environmental, and transit goals are met.
0: Councilors also appointed themselves to boards and commissions. Here are the city committees. Councilor Michael Payne will continue to serve on the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority's Board of Commissioners. The agency is in the midst of a major redevelopment campaign, as well as acquiring other properties throughout the city. Councilor Lloyd Snook will continue to serve on the Historic Resources Committee as an ex-officio member. Councilor Michael Payne will continue to serve on the Housing Advisory Committee. Councilors Snook and Ashrin will serve on the Legislative Review Committee. Mayor Wade will continue to serve on the Minority Business Commission. Vice Mayor Brian Pinkston will continue to serve on the Retirement Commission. Wade and Pinkston will continue to serve on the School Capital Projects Committee, and Pinkston will continue to serve on the Social Services Advisory Board. Now, let's go on to the regional bodies. Pinkston will continue to serve on the Albemarle-Charlottesville Regional Jail Authority. Wade will serve on the Charlottesville-Albemarle Convention and Visitors Bureau. Oshrin will serve on the Charlottesville Community Scholarship Program. Snook and Oshrin will both serve on the Dardentown Memorial Park Board. Wade will continue to serve on the board that runs JABA. Snook will join the Jefferson Area Community Criminal Justice Board, a position he's held before. Paine will continue to serve on the governance board for Leap. Ashrin and Pinkston will serve on the Metropolitan Planning Organization's policy board, with Ashrin serving as the alternate. They'll also both serve on the Regional Transit Partnership. Paine is the Piedmont Housing Alliance's choice to serve on their board, a position not up for council's decision. Paine will serve as the main representative to the Regional Housing Partnership with Snook as an alternate. Payne and Snook will serve as representatives to the Rivana River Basin Commission. Pinkston will remain on the Rivana Solid Waste Authority and the Rivana Water and Sewer Authority. Councillors decided to appoint two of their number to the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission's board, removing Planning Commissioner Phil Duranzio as their representative. Payne and Oshran will be the council representatives and Wade will continue to serve on the Virginia Career Works and Piedmont Workforce Board, and Wade will also continue to serve as Charlottesville's representative to Virginia First Cities, with Snook as an alternate. The first update of 2024 from City Manager Sam Sanders was light, like the rest of Council's agenda. Sanders said the month of December is always a reflective one for him. Where you take a look back at what you were able to get done, get a little mad and angry,
1: complain about what you didn't get done, uh, rest up and get ready for what you need to get done, and then you move into the new year and you try to get it all done.
0: Sanders said some of what has to get done this year is the continued implementation of the city's new pay scale and job classifications.
1: Uh, which is going to be a very serious process for us to go through. impacts the entire workforce. Uh, It's a big project. It's been in the works for the past few months specifically. Uh, And it's going to be a very uh, expensive
0: endeavor, but one that is necessary, one that is long overdue. For more details, take a look at the city's website on the classification and compensation study conducted by the firm Gallagher last year. There was a public hearing for employees last May. Sanders also said collective bargaining continues with three bargaining units with negotiations underway.
1: They too are going to be very expensive to make happen, uh, supportive of the process and wanting to make sure that everyone understands that we do recognize it being a process. It's not an easy process, I assure you. I'm very well aware of that, um, but hope to be able to bring forward three uh, contracts that we can execute and make that a part of how we move and do business
0: in the city. Sanders said implementation of Council's strategic plan will continue this year and that he hopes to name two deputy city managers next week to assist him with his work. Listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second subscriber supported shout out, one Patreon supporter wants you to know that Charlottesville now has an e bike lending library. E bikes are a great way to get around the community, but there are many brands and styles to choose from, and because many e bikes are sold online, It can be a challenge to try an e-bike before buying one. I mean, have you tried going inside of a computer? The Charlottesville e-bike lending library is a free not-for-profit service working to expand access to e-bikes in the area. They have a small collection of the e-bikes that are lent out to community members for up to a week for free. You can experience your daily commute, go grocery shopping, or even bike your kids to school and decide whether e-bikes are right for you. Check out the service at www.ebikelibraryseville.org. We're going to go back in time for the rest of this particular episode of the show, something that's likely going to happen quite a bit for the next week or so until the year really gets going. There are less than two months before Albemarle County Executive Jeffrey Richardson will release his recommended budget for the fiscal year that begins on July 1st. To provide direction for the document, the Board of Supervisors held a series of work sessions in late 2023 on the financial five-year plan. The final of these sessions was held on December 13, 2023, and elected officials were asked to provide direction on property tax relief for the elderly and disabled, as well as the general future of the county's fire and rescue services. Supervisors began with the first item. Albemarle has had average property assessment increases of 8.4% in 2022 and 13.46% in 2023, The values for 2024 will be released soon. Andy Bowman is the Interim Assistant Chief Financial Officer for Policy and Partnerships for Albemarle County. Uh, The criteria
2: currently for the program require that applicants be at least 65 years old or totally and permanently disabled as medically determined. Applicants need to be the title holder of the property and that property may not be used as a business.
0: Bowman said there are also eligibility thresholds as well, and payouts are based on a sliding scale. Last April, Albemarle increased the income criteria and increased the net worth cap from $200,000 to 250000 That had the effect of bringing in 17 new eligible applicants for the program at a cost of $40,000 to the county. There is a total of $1.845 million in the adopted budget for this fiscal year. That's a 24.7% increase from fiscal year 23. In an effort to potentially support more Albemarle property owners who may be struggling to pay growing tax bills, Bowman presented options for further relief for supervisors to consider. One option would be to increase the net worth cap to $305,000. At least two supervisors agreed to that increase, with some suggesting that perhaps only annual income should be used as a criteria. Supervisor Ann Malik said when she joined the Board of Supervisors in 2008, the budget for the program was $900,000. The
1: difficulty was so few people knew about it that we were missing huge numbers of people who just didn't have access to the... and they absolutely deserved it.
0: Malik did not support the idea of having a cap on the total amount of relief. That was one of the options. Bowman said if the amount of relief exceeded the budget, the difference would most likely come out of the board's reserve fund. Supervisor Ned Galloway said with that in mind, he also would not support a total cap.
1: The re- I think the relief needs to be predictable. Um, I think that's just a critical component of it. I think year in and year out.
0: Supervisors also urged staff to find ways to tie tax relief to structures referred to as naturally occurring affordable housing. Staff will return to the board with more information on changes to the program when the recommended budget is released in late February. The second topic at the December 13th, 2023 work session by the Board of Supervisors dealt with continuing county investment in professional personnel at a critical junction in the community as volunteer rescue personnel levels have waned.
2: We have a combination fire rescue and EMS system, meaning that we have our Department of Fire Rescue staff who work in partnership with our key volunteer stations throughout the county. Uh, That system has been changing in recent years.
0: In recent years, Albemarle County has received three grants from the Federal Emergency Management Agency under their Staffing for Adequate Fire and Emergency Response Program, also known as SAFER. The federal government pays for the first few years of new firefighters before funding responsibility transitions to the local government's responsibility. To hear more about the immediate future, Chief Dan Eggleston was on hand to give a sense of what his department's future needs would be for the next five years. This was in the form of a strategic outlook and needs assessment. Supervisors adopted an updated strategic plan in October of 2022. Goal number one is safety and well-being. Goal number two is a resilient, equitable, and engaged community. Goal six is workforce and customer service.
2: We begin by ensuring our objectives are in lockstep with the county's strategic plan, which sets the direction for our operational priorities. Our next step involved a thorough assessment of our service performance against the standards of cover, which is a board-adopted plan that's instrumental in defining the scope and level of the services we provide.
0: Those standards of cover were adopted in June of 2019 and established response time objectives. In the development area, first responders have a goal of being on site within 8 minutes, 90% of the time. The rural area goal is 21 minutes, also 90% of the time. Since 2019, calls for service have increased 20% in the development area.
2: And mainly that's driven by the urbanization of our county and aging population. One thing to keep in mind, this increase is really across the board for both fire and EMS emergencies. Uh, At first, we thought that growth was mainly related to EMS, but it's across the board, which really relates to the, the density and the urbanization of our communities.
0: Eggleston said the number of calls for service from mental health cases is increasing.
2: In fact, I just heard today at our ECC regional meeting that the the number of suicide-related calls today almost match the number of cardiac arrest calls. So that's something that that all of us, uh, the county, the city, and the university, are keeping a close eye on.
0: Eggleston said the county has hired the equivalent of 69 full-time personnel since fiscal year 20 which in turn created higher costs for training and other support services for those in the field. He said the county continues to follow a national trend away from volunteerism.
2: Volunteers, not only in Albemarle, but really across the country, have been the backbone of, of fire and EMS service delivery for so many years, and their decline is hitting us hardest at the current time during evenings and weekends. It's really important to note that this is decline in volunteers is not consistent across the county there's some of our volunteer stations remain very strong and in fact getting stronger by the year but others are grappling with reduced volunteer numbers so this difference is a crucial aspect of our challenge and we must consider it as we p- explore potential solutions.
0: Eggleston said it takes two years to fully train someone to be a firefighter which provides another logistical challenge. Of those 69 positions since fiscal year 20, Fifty of them have been funded at least initially through the SAFER program. That program covers the first three new years of a position. David Puckett is the Deputy Chief of Operations at Albemarle County Fire Rescue. He thanked the board for recent investments in personnel, including a reimbursement program for volunteers, as well as pay scale adjustments for public safety.
1: Fire rescue will be fully staffed when our recruit school starts in January and employee turnover in 2023 was the lowest it's been since we started recording it
0: in 2016. Puckett said that that has led to less overtime and fewer service reductions. The additional staffing has also allowed the county to transition to a no cost mutual aid agreement with Charlottesville. He said response times for ambulances are down 10% and down 8% for fire response.
1: It is important to note, though, that communities across Albemarle don't experience these improvements the same. As an example, after adding career staff and an ambulance to the North Garden Station, that community experienced a 25% reduction in ambulance response times Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. But other areas, like the Route 29 and Rio Road area, haven't seen any improvements in ambulance response times due to the high call demand and limited resources.
0: Puckett said in general, the county is able to meet the standards of cover for the rural areas, but there's still work to be done to meet the standards for the development area. Eggleston suggested several broad options to supervisors to consider for future staffing needs. Option one would be to reevaluate and optimize the county's emergency response strategies to focus on the distribution of assets and efforts to effectively address the most critical needs. Option two would maintain current service levels, but augment staffing at volunteer stations and add staff to account for increased call volume. Option 3 would maintain current service levels and implement prevention and resiliency programs. Eggleston said option 3 could involve identifying a subset of calls that may not need a full ambulance response.
2: Right now, about 20% of our calls are low-acuity EMS calls. So there could perhaps be a a deferral to a much more proactive, preventative-type program it's a lot less costly than an ambulance that's staffed 24-7. This is a trend that's coming about very quickly in the fire service, and I think this is something we should should explore.
0: Options two and three come with additional costs, but no dollar amounts were given at this presentation. Eggleston said 52 additional full-time equivalents over the next five years would be needed to implement option two, which would see a move to 24-7 career staffing at some volunteer stations, but not all. Option three would take another nine full-time equivalents. Supervisor Diantha McKeel noted that the comprehensive plan currently sets an expectation that community members in the rural area should not expect the same level of service.
2: And I think we just need to be aware of that because as we're going through and updating our comp plan, That's a decision and a policy, and I just want to make sure that our comp plan matches what we're actually doing.
0: The AC44 process continues this year and is scheduled for adoption by the end. Supervisor Ned Galloway said that more conversation is needed to go through these details, conversations that will happen during the budget cycle later this year. In response to a question about capacity, Eggleston responded that another ambulance is needed at the station on Berkmar Drive to avoid units being pulled from other parts of the county when there are multiple calls. There will be more on this topic into the new year. This is a very important area. One item that I did not get into in this particular report, but I'll tell you, the podcast listener, is the idea of trying to work with senior living facilities to have some on-site services there so that people there don't need to call 911. This is something that has been discussed. Uh, It's something that might just need some more coordination. And you know what? This is why Charlottesville Community Engagement exists. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this one, number 620, the second of the year. The word count on this edition was 3,500 as I began to write out the final section uh, before I am doing what I'm doing now, which is reading the script out loud to you. That's perhaps too long, but each edition of this newsletter and podcast is the length it ends up being. Since the very beginning, this work is part of an experiment I started almost four years ago to create an online information source from scratch. The year is starting off well, and I'm ready to cover things as much as I can. This year, I am hopeful to find a way to get other people involved, either through volunteering or paying. This is a business, so I'm very careful about bringing people on, but I'm confident that this is the year a lot of things like this will solidify a lot more. You can help with a paid subscription to the newsletter and podcast via Substack. By now. You've listened to these. You know how to do it. If not, look in the newsletter. And I will just say uh, for at least the second time this year, goodbye. We'll see you next time.